Hey everyone, I'm here with Pastor Uriah St. Just. He and I are going to spend some time with you today and have a conversation about preparing people for baptism. Funny that such a central part of all we do is something that we don't really talk about a ton. And there's lots of different ideas out there amongst pastors and church leaders. And so, yeah, we want to kind of chime in to that discussion and maybe create more of it. But um, yeah, I'd like to say, hey, you want to say hi to the people who are listening to us? Just want to say hello to everyone. Um, everyone, um, my church members who might be listening, family, friends, um, wherever you may be around <laughs> yeah. the world. All right. Hey, so, so Pastor, I want to just kind of begin by throwing a thought out there, right? Yep. Seventh-day Adventists, we have traditionally taken people through a, a very specific process as we prepare them for, for baptism. There are many who think that this process is really unnecessary. Uh, maybe it's overkill and can be a hindrance to people's journey with Jesus. And so I want to kind of throw out there something that these people will generally say, people who don't like the process that Adventists typically bring people through um, to kind of get us going. So people will oftentimes say, hey, listen, man, in the New Testament book of Acts, you see, you know, in Acts chapter 8, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, just a quick baptism, Mm -hmm. a short interaction, Mm -hmm. a spiritual, you know, like burst of energy, you know, as they talk and the eunuch is baptized. And so why in the world would we, you know, go through this tedious process of studying with people and making sure they understand the doctrine and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and they'll cite other examples too from the, from the book of Acts, uh, the story of the uh, Philippian jailer mm-hmm. and Paul when, they were in, when he was in prison and that whole scenario for those of you guys who are familiar. So mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you say? What do, what's, what's some things that we say in this regard? Or, have Adventists always been wrong? in preparing people for baptism. What do you think of the texts of Scripture that are referenced? Well, I like the fact that you you say as Adventists because um, that means something. <clears throat> that means we're, we're connected. Primarily, we're connected by, um, by Scripture because, you know, all, all, all human beings are connected because, yeah. you know, we're, we're all created by God. Um, and so we are all brothers and sisters. You know, all Christians are connected because, you know, we're all... Um, saved by the blood of Jesus, so we are also brothers and sisters. But Adventists, we are all connected because of our understanding of Scripture. Yes, um, that we have accepted a certain understanding of Scripture um, that the rest of Christianity hasn't. So, um, Scripture is one of the things that that that, um, that binds us together. Yes. You know, our understanding of Scripture, and of course, within the church, they are all different um, interpretations. But generally. Um, on the yes, fundamentals. Yes, we can agree on these, um, on yeah. these fundamentals. Sure, it's like Psalms, principles. I think it's Psalm 11 and verse 3. It yeah. says, if the foundations yes. are destroyed, yes. what can the righteous do? So we as Adventists on our foundation, mm-hmm. on our foundations, we, yes. it's like the Protestants, they would say on essentials, uh, unity. Yes. On non-essentials, liberty. Yes. In all things, charity. So yes. I think that Adventists, we should be the same. Yeah. On what's essential to Adventism, mm-hmm. unity. Non-essentials, okay, whatever. Yes. Um, and there's something else that also connects us as Adventists. That's the spirit of prophecy um, that's manifested um, in a, a lady by the name of Ellen White. Yeah. And her writings, um, we believe, were inspired by God to guide the church, you know, to, um, to grow the church into what it is. Not just for numbers, but in terms of its mission, its yeah. God-given mission. Um, so... Um, we have a particular understanding of what baptism is from Scripture. You know, you go to, to John chapter um, 3, um, you know, you look at Nicodemus, yeah. where Jesus says to him, unless you're 
born again you you cannot enter the kingdom of god mm. and jesus further explains that to be born again means to be born of water and of the spirit yes the two being inextricably linked mm. so when someone goes into the water for baptism it's not just you know a, a show it's not just a a nice thing yes. where you just get wet but it is um, symbolic of something that has already happened in them which Jesus says is that they are born of the Spirit yes um, they are born again um, and so that must happen first but I suppose the question is you know how do you measure that how do you say aha right. this person has been born again or do you just accept that they say hey I've been born again <laughs> you know and therefore you know um, I'm good to go I, I want to be baptized and yeah. um, so you looked at the, you mentioned the example of um, Philip and the, you know, I love that, that, that story. And I often use that story um, when we talk about baptism with people. Um, there are some things that in my ministry I've found that people have had difficulty with. Getting them to, to trust the Bible, accept the Bible as God's word, getting them to believe in God, yeah. getting them to be born again, born of the Spirit, you know a lot of the times that's not the hard part a lot of the times the hard part is baptism people would say I love Jesus you know and I just want to be baptized into Jesus I don't want to be you know my baptism right. to be tagged on to joining a church to a group you know, of people to a group of, or denomination know, and, and is that you know biblical you know or I don't want to be brought up in front of the church and be asked all these questions. Do I believe in all these things? You know, I right. just want to have a private ceremony, you know, somewhere. It's just, you know, family and close friends. Uh, I often look at the story of Philip and the eunuch as a little case study. And, you know, zooming in, we're not going to look at the whole thing. And um, looking at the, um, what the processes that took place there. And it's interesting that Philip, I want to make this point, that Philip was a deacon in the church yes you know and he did bible study right so oftentimes we think of deacons to just they're the ones that open up the church and collect the money and turn on the lights and all that kind, kind of, of stuff kick you out you know? when it's time to go <laughs> turn the lights off <laughs> to show that it's time to leave <laughs> very important work of the deacon is the spiritual work and also studying with people and leading people mm. to jesus is a very important work of um, the deacon but philip was not just a deacon he was also an apostle yes because here in chapter eight you know the holy spirit was the one that spoke directly to him and sent him mm. to this desolate road and it's like he could have said like why are you sending there's nothing there right but there was a man who had already been walking with god and there's another point in here that we can flesh out sometimes people don't even want bible study whatever i need to know the Holy Spirit can teach me <laughs> you know right or I can you know study the Bible my, on my own um, yeah I but, just want to jump yeah. in there real quick if you don't mind not, not, mm -hmm. to, not to take you off track mm -hmm. but the idea that hey I just want to be baptized into Jesus mm -hmm. we can talk about that more when you're done yeah. making your point but I just want to yeah. throw this out there so in case I forget that is that the, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 it says uh, Paul is speaking he says that the church is the body of Christ people this is, this is what I have found. We are so separate from one another in the mm -hmm. modern world. Mm -hmm. We like to think that we can just make it on our own. Mm -hmm. And we hate the idea of, of social exactly. accountability yeah. and just social community. responsibility. Yeah, yeah community. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I don't understand. I think I guess I, I'm suggesting a reason why people are 
are of the opinion that they can just be autonomous yeah. in their religious experience. Yes. I do know that we're all saved personally, individually, yes. and that salvation is not a corporate issue like, yes. hey, you know, because my cousin's saved, I'm saved, or because mm -hmm. of association with the church, I'm saved. I know that that's not the case, but mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, we're brought in through the power of the Holy Ghost into yes. the family of God, exactly. into the church of God. Very so I just so. always find it very curious that people yeah. Have this sense that well, I don't need anyone. I'm perfectly fine alone. Yeah. I don't want any responsibility. You know, it's and like, that might be, you know, a, a bit of an influence of the West, Western culture. You know, yeah. the very individualistic kind of thing. You know, you know, the Bible is, you know, really culturally an Eastern book. Um, but throughout the Bible, there's always fellowship. There's always relationship. Yeah. There's always community from the from the Godhead, you know, there's, you know, you see all three persons of the Godhead being involved in creation, not yeah. just the Father alone by himself. Yeah. It's the three of them working together. And, you know, God didn't just create Adam. He created Adam, but Adam wasn't good enough to be alone. So he created yeah. his son. So community family. is, and family is a very important word. You know, um, just recently, you know, we had a, uh, ran an evangelistic series and presented by um, Justin and Teresa Tarosian. And they made the point very beautifully. If you take a baby, newborn baby and you just put them in a house with no one right that big what will happen it's to that baby die. baby's gonna die of course the baby needs to grow in yes. a family yeah you know and so similarly a newborn babe into christ can't just grow i mean they might grow but you know there's going to be some dysfunction yeah you know um god intended that we grow in fellowship with with other christians with yeah. other believers like us um, and there's that there's accountability, there's help, you know, people can you can share who have been through struggles that you yeah. that was God's purpose. Um, but we go back to um, to Philip and it goes to this point, you know, that, you know, the eunuch had been traveling with God. He'd been reading his Bible. Mm -hmm. But as Philip came to him, Philip asked him a question in verse 30. He's, Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And his answer is very profound. He says, how can I accept some man should guide me? Mm. So here again, it's, it's doing it together, traveling together, not right. just on your own, you know. And here we introduce the concept of Bible study. You know, in the New Testament, in Acts, you have both public evangelism in chapter 2, and um, you also have one-on-one -on -one Bible study yep. in chapter 8. They're both Bible studies because if you read Peter's sermon, it's totally, yeah, totally 100% biblical. Yeah, you know, he's giving a Bible study, he's preaching the word. He's, yeah, he yeah. is, and he's laying down his points, and then he makes the appeal mm -hmm. at the end, and people respond for the Holy Spirit. Philip studies with the eunuch, and he gets to a point where um, they say, and it's very interesting, the study is very Christocentric. Yes, you know, it's 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 centered ar around Jesus. Bringing him to that present yes, truth of Christ. Exactly. Hey, it's interesting mm -hmm. too because I, there's some basic points that people make mm -hmm. when this text is used to support the idea that you should just baptize someone as soon as they say, I want to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And that is that this Ethiopian eunuch had been in Jerusalem worshiping. Yes. So obviously he was associated with the Jewish nation and he, mm -hmm. he would have known mm -hmm. of the truths of Scripture. Mm -hmm. as understood by the people of God, the covenant mm -hmm. people of God. Mm -hmm. He's coming back from that. He's got a copy of the scriptures himself, mm -hmm. which that's a bit unusual, right? Mm -hmm. Like not every person in those days had like a, a scroll with them. Exactly. Right? It was not everybody expensive. read. It was pretty costly. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's not like just going, it's a big going deal. to the ABC and getting so the Bible. Th there's so many indications that this man was a serious student of scripture. Yes. He was intent on worshiping the true God yes. in Jerusalem. He made a massive journey yes. from his home country. 
yes. to Jerusalem. I mean, massive in those days, yes. you know, with the means of travel. So yes. I feel like there are so many indications in this text that this is not just a person who says out of the blue, like, okay, sure, I'll He's be baptized. Yeah. yeah, and, 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 I, and I, I don't want to say something, and I hope that uh, I can say this in a balanced and fair way, but as a, as a preacher who has preached a lot in an evangelistic context and in a lot of youth events, mm-hmm. one of the things I understand is that when people respond to a call, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God is working for sure, mm-hmm. but He's working through the limited understanding that those people have. Yes. So if I'm at camp, at a, at a youth summer camp, mm-hmm. and the kids are like jet skiing all day and water skiing and mountain biking and all this mm-hmm. stuff, they're having a good time, it's fun, there's not a lot of stress, there's camp counselors who are investing in them, mm-hmm. I'm telling them stories of my life mm-hmm. every week, we're becoming friends, I'm telling them of the goodness of God. and It's just, a, it's a very manufactured setting, mm-hmm. and it's just fun, 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 mm-hmm. and scripture preaching is a part of that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the week, or whenever, I make this like big fat call Mm-hmm. to accept Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and to yeah. enter into a faith-based walk with Him through mm-hmm. baptism mm-hmm. and to die to your life and all that stuff, I've got to understand as a rational, intelligent, like older guy that when these kids are responding, yes, the Spirit's working and yes, He's telling them this is the way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, th- their perspective, they're also standing because they had a great week. They yeah. like Matt Parra and mm-hmm. we're now friends. Just a and so, experience so they're standing up yeah. not just for the Christ and mm-hmm. the spirit that's leading them. They're standing up as an endorsement of the experience they've had that week. Yes. They don't know what that's going to mean in two exactly. weeks or in three weeks they or in six months. They may not be thinking of the sacrifices. They have no idea what a the real... Things that, no. you know, the sin that they have to repent from. You that's know, right. The things that they have to let go of for, for Jesus. They're taking off of your cross that's right. to follow in Jesus. The, you know, they and, may not be factoring And it's very irresponsible things. of me yeah. as an older, wiser experienced man, mm-hmm. I think it's actually quite, and I'm not trying to in any way judge anyone else, I'm just speaking kind of for myself. For me, that would be very irresponsible mm-hmm. and almost like wishful thinking. It's like mm-hmm. an easy road, like just assume, mm-hmm. oh yeah, of course they're ready, they know yeah. what it really means. And mm-hmm. there's a big difference between a kid at a camp that's had fun all week standing for Jesus and mm-hmm. somebody in the first century who's going to get their head lopped off for doing it. Mm-hmm. Whole different prospect, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I think we need to be wise and realize that sometimes people are standing up as an endorsement of the experience that they've had. Mm-hmm. And we should take that very seriously, 100%, but mm-hmm. we should also make sure that they have time sufficient to, to understand what they've committed to and, and grow in that understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there comes a point in the Bible, it's very interesting too, that Philip did not make an appeal for baptism. The eunuch was the one who requested, and it's very interesting, you know, the Bible says in verse 36, they came to a certain place um, where there was water, and the eunuch said, you know, here is water. What is hindering me from being baptized? Yes. He posed this question to Philip, and Philip gave an answer. Philip says, um, "If, if you believe, you may be baptized. Yeah. So there was a prerequisite for baptism. Now we can say, oh, the prerequisite was simply believing in Jesus. But at that time, that was the big mountain. That was the big challenge because this was not too long after Jesus died and, and went to heaven. That was that know, last that, piece of that doctrinal was, truth. Yeah, it, it was the big thing that, you know, to, to sell to someone yes. that Jesus was the Messiah. Right. You know, that was a big thing, you know, and there weren't all of these other complexities, you know, um, 
that we have in the church. I mean, there was probably a little bit of it, you know, in terms of other, you know, heresies that were existing. Yes. Was Jesus real? You know, was he real flesh? You know, did he really die? Mm. And all these kinds of things, Gnosticism starting to creep, creep in. But the time that we live in now, yeah. you know, where you have hundreds of Christian thousands, denominations, thousands. thousands of Christian denominations, totally. you know, with different ideas and different beliefs, you know, there is a responsibility that I have yes. to make sure that this person believes and understands scripture um, as it is taught and believes yes. and understands the truth. And if totally. they, they do believe, yep. then I am permitted and cleared to baptize them. Um, so that is very, 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 very scriptural. Um, um, it's mm. interesting too. Now, I want to go to the dreaded church manual. Yes. <laughs> you know? Before you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a scripture out there that fully connects with what you're saying. Yes. I was reading through the book of Luke one day. Mm -hmm. And in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is there. And he's, you know, doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Preaching and calling people to repent. Uh, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then people are being baptized. And then it says um, that he says to the people, he says to the multitudes... Um, you brood of vipers, who mm -hmm. has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Mm -hmm. And then uh, he says, who, he basically goes on to say, um, you need to show fruit that's worthy of repentance. Exactly. Now, when I, I mean, this is probably like 15 years ago. I, mm -hmm. I, I read this passage, and prior to the time I had really focused in on this account of him calling people vipers, I had only thought that he had said that just to the religious leaders. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I thought that he would only refuse to baptize certain pharisaical religious leaders. Mm -hmm. But in Luke 3, Luke basically says that he said that to other people too. Yeah. And the, which, the, the takeaway point is that with repentance, there, there are demonstra outward demonstration, outward right. you know, things that you can see that, wait, this person, wow, this person has stopped doing that. You that's know, right. This person is now doing this. It's like, wow, what's going on? You yeah. can actually see. That's right. It, the Holy Spirit, it said, Jesus says, you know, you, you can hear in, in John 3, mm -hmm. you can hear the sound of it. You can, mm -hmm. you, you know that the wind is there, but you can't see it. You can see, but you can you see, can see its see effects. The, effects. Exactly. The, the trees are blowing. Exactly. And, yeah, and that's exactly. what John is on to. And, and we've got to be very careful mm -hmm. not being more spiritual than John the Baptist. Exactly. And not being more sanctimonious and high-minded. Exactly. You know, we, we sometimes fool ourselves um, in this, that like this guy's sole purpose in life was to prepare the way for the coming of the Christ. And he took his job seriously, mm -hmm. and he knew that he was responsible before God mm -hmm. to not cheapen the experience of baptism. Mm -hmm. And if he were to just baptize anybody who came to him, yeah. and just like delude himself into thinking that everyone was serious who just verbally could say, baptize me, mm -hmm. he would not be doing what God wanted him to do, because exactly. he needed to give people a real experience, yes. and, not, and make it mean something. That's great, excellent. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for bringing that point, because it's like, yeah, the fruits of repentance, the fruit of repentance, you know, being associated with baptism. Yes. But I want to start in the manual. It quotes, it, it brings a quote from Ellen White in Testimonies, Volume 6, mm. you know, page 95 and 96. And this is what it says. The test of discipleship is not brought to bear as closely as it should be upon those who present themselves for baptism. It should be understood whether they are simply taking the name of Seventh-day Adventists or whether they are taking their stand on the Lord's side. To come out from the world and be separate, and touch not the unclean thing. Before baptism, there should be a thorough inquiry to the experience of the candidate. Let them let this inquiry be made not in a cold and distant way, but kindly, tenderly, pointing to the new convert's 
appointing the new converts to the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, bringing the requirements of the gospel to bear upon the candidates for baptism. So it, it, there's a very um, serious warning and encouragement that Ellen White is giving here. Yes. And, you know, she's saying we have mm -hmm. to make sure they're not. She talks about taking just taking the name of the Seventh-day Adventists, but today it might just be, hey, we're having a baptism. Do you want to be part of it? It's like, wow, this is like wonderful. Yes. I just want to be part of that. You mm -hmm. know, I want to be part of the whole thing. And and that, you know, I probably say this unapologetically. That is a cheap way of of doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy. We probably probably get the numbers. Right. You know, but it, it makes me look good. Yeah, it, can, it makes me look yeah. good. It make, yeah, makes yeah. my church look good. It makes the conference look good. I hope the president is not listening. Yes, you're right. He's killing it. He's <laughs> killing know? it. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I have to have a responsibility before God yeah. to make sure, as she says, that um, the the persons who are presenting themselves for baptism, that um, they are genuinely taking their stand on Jesus, God's coming heart. out of the world, coming out of, of darkness, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I could read what the actual manual, the writers what it goes of the on manual say. say, you know, but I think that's really enough because it's, it's, it's based on those principles, you know, that, totally that we have a responsibility. And the manual itself, you know, the manual we talked about, we're seventh-day Adventists, you know, the yeah. manual is... And some people say the manual is only a guide, which means you can follow it or you can choose not to follow it. That is true. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, that is true. But, you know, when you look at railroad tracks, you know, you can choose to follow the railroad tracks and it will get you to your destination. Or you could choose, I'm not going to follow that. I'm just going to go yeah. wherever, you know, and it might take you right. 40 years to get there. Or you might never get there at all. Yeah. So there is safety because these are people who have, you know, it's the whole church has come together. We've studied the issue based on scripture. Yes. You know, and I don't even need to say based on Ellen White because it's the same thing. Of course, she's, she's reflecting biblical exactly. principles. Based in that on statement. scripture, yeah. you know, we say, look, this is what scripture requires for some situations. Yeah. Some situations where scripture is silent or doesn't address an issue, the church says this is best practice. Right. You know, and if it's best practice, if it's if it's wise counsel, then we yeah. should follow it. If we don't, then there's absolutely. A, a day. And you know, Amen. I always say as well. Any ordained minister can baptize. He has the authority to baptize any person that he wants. We were discussing earlier, Matt, you know, if someone is, let's say I visit North Korea and someone says, baptize me, you know, and if I get caught, I'll be killed. You know, I'm a minister. There's no church. There's no church board. There's no, you know, baptismal right. vows. You know, in my heart, I have to know, okay, this person is willing to die for Jesus. Yes. You know. What more thorough examination could that be? Right. You know, That's a good point. Do I have to test, you know, this person's um, sincerity to take this stand for Jesus? Right. You know, um, and so, you know, I, I can go ahead and do that. Yep. Everyone out there is getting the sense for sure that you and I both are of the opinion that it, it's appropriate and right to help prepare people for the baptismal decision. Mm -hmm. Not as a way to block them. No. But as a way to make it real. Yes. Make it meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just throw in the point that in Romans 6 it says, Know ye not that, who, who's, that, that those of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. Yes. Uh, and, and he just kind of explains very beautifully there what the symbol of baptism means. Mm -hmm. It's a reenactment of the crucifixion, yes. the death, burial, and so resurrection death of Jesus Christ. Place, the old man. That's right. And, and, and there so, must be evidence of that. Because if, if, if the old man's still alive, you know, yeah. I often tell people, you know, preaching or Bible study, you know, if something dies, you have to bury it. You yeah. talk about the mode of baptism, the immersion. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just leave it. If you just leave it in the backyard, it's going to stink.
Yes. You know, and if you bury something that's still alive, <laughs> you know, it's probably not. It's it not, has to die first. Idea. We don't bury things that are still alive. It has to no. die first. Then. So, so the old man <laughs> has good. to die, you know. So thanks for putting that image in my mind. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> so, yeah. no I love it. And two, well, okay, and so our, a detractor is now going to say, well, you're saying that people are perfect? No, 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 not at no. all. But there has to be a conscious recognition and a, and a life commitment yes. to put that behind. Putting that behind. But if know, a person yeah. has no idea exactly. what new life in Christ is going to mean. Or because you haven't introduced them to it. Well, they're just... utterly un, uninitiated. They don't know yeah. what to believe and what to practice because yes. they don't know what Jesus teaches and who Jesus is yes. from Scripture. Exactly. And so, okay, if they're going to go through the ceremony that represents them mm -hmm. dying to who they were born mm -hmm. and living to become who God has destined them to be, mm -hmm. they should at least kind of know mm -hmm. what that means, mm -hmm. right? Yes, exactly. So we're not talking about making someone a PhD no. before they're baptized. No. We're, just, we're just talking about making someone aware on a general level of yes. what it actually means to be baptized mm -hmm. and the life that God is calling them now to practice exactly. as a follower of Jesus. Exactly. And, you know, and living the life in, you know, in the will of God. You know, yes. This is what you know, God wants um, for me. And, um, it doesn't mean that they're they can demonstrate for us that they never slough up, that they're perfect, and or they're it all vowing together. that they will never no, sin or they no. will never do this. And you know, it's not that you're vowing that you're doing that, but you're saying that, you know, this is how I want to live my life. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. No, you know, and thank God for First John one nine. You know, if we confess our sins, you know, and um, you know, if if we sin, we there's an advocate mm -hmm. with the Father. So there is that provision. You yes, know, we don't want to do it, but we understand that God is in His grace, you know, is willing to forgive us, you know, when we make mistakes and when we slip up. That's right. Know. And the other issue now we're going to talk about, yes. you know, sometimes people come and they they want to be baptized, but they don't want to be, you know, um, part of the church. Right now, in in Acts chapter two, um, you know, Acts chapter two is the great evangelistic, you know launching of the church yes. you know, um, and Peter um, preaching um, the gospel and in the end of the, the last verse in that chapter um, the Bible says praising God or they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved yes so there's a very powerful concept here um, that when a person is saved God adds them to the church. God connects them with the church, as we were talking earlier about family. Yeah. You know, you know, you don't, you're not born again, just out on your own. You know, you God connects you, yes, with the church family, so, and it makes it very clear in Scripture that you know those who are being saved, God adds them. You know, and I read that, you know, it's maybe just my thing because I used to be a church clerk, you know, where, yeah. you know, before I became a pastor, you know, that God. You know, you get baptized and God actually adds your name to the church role. <laughs> you know, the heavenly church role. Right. Amen. You know, but there is that, you know, here in scripture we can see that when a person is saved, they're not just saved by themselves individually. They are saved by the church. Yeah. Now, uh, they're saved into, they're added, they're connected yes. with the church family. And you know, it's funny be. because Galatians, you made me, you're making me think of Galatians 3 mm -hmm. and verse 26 that says, For you are sons of God. Mm -hmm. through faith in Christ. So, and then Romans 8, 14. Mm -hmm. uh, Whosoever is led by the Spirit of God, the same as a son of God. Mm -hmm. So, as soon as I start to disobey myself and crucify the deeds of the flesh and follow the Spirit, mm -hmm. as soon as I allow the Spirit to be my guide, mm -hmm. and as soon as I have saving faith in Jesus Christ, I'm a son of God. Right? Yes. That's what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. 
So if I'm a son of God through faith in Christ, then guess what that makes me in relationship to everyone else who has faith in Christ? Brothers and sisters, we have one family. There you go. Yeah. So you, you cannot separate no. the idea of becoming a child of God mm-hmm. and not being a sibling of mm-hmm. other people who yes. are children of God. And now this is where it gets tricky mm-hmm. because many people would then say, well, it says faith in Jesus, not member of an Adventist, of the Adventist movement. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're getting into a little bit more of a complex issue mm-hmm. because we're not in the first century now. Mm-hmm. We're like 2,000 years away from that. And we've mm-hmm. gone through as a, as a church, as mm-hmm. the Christian church, we've gone through the great apostasy yes. that was predicted by Paul. Mm-hmm. The church has been devastated and fragmented. It mm-hmm. inculcated all kinds of pagan ideals. Mm-hmm. And so it is true on, on a, on a kind of universal level that there is a there's a church mm-hmm. that is not defined by any denominational boundaries mm-hmm. that's true we can acknowledge mm-hmm. that that's in the 20th fundamentals yes. under the church mm-hmm. but we understand through the bible not through mm-hmm. our personal views mm-hmm. but through the bible mm-hmm. the, the prophetic record shows uh the devastation of the christian church in revelation 12 and 13 and a remnant movement mm-hmm. that kind of begins to pull back together mm-hmm. what was what was lost and mm-hmm. so we see uh, our movement as that remnant movement. Yes. And so how in the world could we be responsible to our call mm-hmm. before God mm-hmm. if we didn't help restore knowledge and understanding and, mm-hmm. and uh, in the people that God has entrusted us with, if that makes sense. Anyways, mm-hmm. So much more could be said on that, on that matter, but I would mm-hmm. say the main thing that I would like people to remember from what I've just said is that you can't be a child of God without being a brother or sister. Yes. of the other children of God. Yeah. And if you're family, I mean, you'd think you'd want to associate, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a functional family, and yeah. if you're in Jesus, you're a functional family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and so, you know, somebody might say, okay, yeah, um, you know, um, the church, you know, but, you know, they, in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Mm-hmm. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, so we're all baptized into one body, yeah. and that's where we come to the verse that you were referring to earlier on in Colossians yeah. chapter one, verse uh, verse eighteen. Yeah. It says, "And he, referring to Jesus, is the head of the body, the church." That's it. So again, we are baptized into one body, First Corinthians twelve thirteen, and. Colossians 1.18 says that body is the church. So the church. it supports exactly what um, was written in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. That's right. Um, so when I get baptized, I don't just get baptized into Jesus. I get baptized into his body, which is the church. So, you know, I get baptized into the church. And somebody might say, well, it's just the general Christian church, right. you know. But then we go to Revelation 12.7, you know, the, the concept of, you know, God's last day church. You know, and when you do evangelism, you say if Jesus were to come to Newcastle today, which church would he go to? Right. You know, and you know, as we talk about you know the history of Christianity, as Revelation predicted as well, um, you know the, the the departure from the truth, the apostasy that the church would go through, and God has set up the Seventh Day Adventist Church. We believe yes in the last period of Earth's history to, and God has always had a faithful people. Yes. But called and raised the Seventh-day Adventist Church with this particular message to bring the truth um, mm. to this world. And so that is why when I am baptized, the, the body that I, build, um, I enter into, I associate with, I be yes. identified with, mm. is 
the remnant church. In the Old Testament, we're just studying through Nehemiah in our Sabbath school quarterly lesson study. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of a remnant is, mm -hmm. is an Old Testament concept. Mm -hmm. And it's seen in different periods of Old Testament history, but mm -hmm. the most obvious example of a remnant is in the book of, books of Nehemiah and Ezra. Mm -hmm. So you have the Babylonian nation destroying Jerusalem, destroying mm -hmm. Israel, and the temple where the knowledge of God is to be found, the true knowledge of God is to be found. And now the remnant are people who have, have, are there in the right place geographically restoring the temple, rebuilding the temple. Um, so they're physically repairing what Babylon destroyed. Mm -hmm. Now, um, there are Jews in Jerusalem and there are Jews still in Babylon. They're mm -hmm. all Jews, mm -hmm. right? They're all, children of, they're all children of the covenant mm -hmm. with God. Some are in the right place geographically, some are in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Now you have the same idea in the book of Revelation, like come out of her, come out of Babylon, my yes. people. Mm -hmm. And then you have a remnant spoken of, mm -hmm. which just simply shows that in the New Testament we see what happened in the Old Testament, but on a theological level. Mm -hmm. So we don't believe that the book of Revelation is saying that a physical, literal nation called Babylon has God's people in it. Um, we see Babylon as a representation of just confusion, yes. false teaching, false religion, false religion. Yes. and God is saying, come out of these false religions that have false, false ideas yeah. about me, mm -hmm. false doctrines and mm -hmm. false teachings, exactly. and come back to the remnant exactly. who's restoring theologically mm -hmm. what Babylon has devastated and, and also giving the calling to you know the the true the true God you know the yep. true picture of who God who is. He really is you know because. We know what the, the picture of Christianity, what false doctrine, the picture that it paints of God, like eternal damnation, it's eternal twisted. burning in hell. You know, totally. God would do that, would throw kids in the fire forever and ever and they can't die. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that is responsible for millions of atheists, you know, that's in, right. in, in the world today. And the reason why the truth is so important, doctrinal truth is so important, it be, is because it brings back the true picture Amen. of who God is and, and God's true character. Yes. You know, I saw a meme that's been circulating. It says, how can, let me see if I get it right. It says, how come there are, religion has so many different gods, but one Satan? You know, <laughs> think of the answer to that question. You know, if there is one person who is maligning your character, you know, they're going to say all wow. different sorts of things about you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's no one maligning their character. So there's just only one story that's said about them. <laughs> that's you know? so good. And, you know, and poor God, you know, that's, yeah. you know, he is being lied that's upon it. so much, you know, and you look at, yeah. you know, all, totally. not just within Christianity, even other, other world religions, you know, that where the, the story of God that came from Adam, that came from Noah had just been distorted as it yep. spread around the world. And God is calling us as Christians, as His last day, to to tell the truth. Yes, about who He is. Know, about who He is. Yes, you know, and and to 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 remove this scary, vindictive, angry, you know, unjust God, and to really tell the truth of a loving, loving God. Yes, you know, and that's that's the the importance of doctrine, you know, yep. and, and and getting it right, telling and the are, story. And are we baptizing people into some vague notion that they have of who God is, mm -hmm. or are we baptizing them into a clear and real and biblical understanding and of Jesus and God? And it's very important. And that's why the doctrines are not just concepts on a paper. No, you they're know, expressions it's, of who God it's, is. It's yeah, it's totally. And you know, me falling in love with that mm -hmm. and saying like. I would not want to do anything else 
but to follow you know that person Amen. and to to want to do you know everything as revelation says they follow the lamb wherever you wherever go. he goes like, whatever you want me to do and have you the know, father's it, name in their forehead if you want me to give up having a beer now and then if you want me to give up cigarettes i want to do that you know because if i realize that it damages my body you know yeah. if you want me to go out and exercise if you want me whatever it is you want me to do lord i will do it you know yeah. and um, Amen. You know, that's when you can really see it's very clear that a yep. person is tracking. They love Jesus. They've been converted and they're living their lives for him. Yep. And it's our responsibility to make sure, you know, we we as as ministers, you know, I, I tell my church the, the baptismal font is the nursery of the church. Oh, and if good. you look at civilizations, when a civilization wants to destroy another, we saw in Egypt, you know, what happened. Attack the nursery. You'll wipe out the entire civilization if you attack the nursery. Okay, wow. and you know, and I say that's, this in the context powerful, of man. many churches. Their baptismal fonts are storage rooms. They store tables and chairs <laughs> in there. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying literally because you know, obviously, yeah, you can yeah. go out to the beach in Australia. There's a lot of water out to the lake, but if you're not ticking over the runs, if you can't get hmm. boundaries, take the singles. The run rate must be ticking over and you know it's about growing the kingdom when we lose that focus when we it's about doing other things um, not that other things are not good but if they don't all culminate into growing God's kingdom yeah and bearing fruit um, we as a church you know we will die and that's why I'm, I, I love being part of the the, the seven Adventist church you know it's mission focused yes you know and baptisms are celebrated you know but we have to make sure we um, we have a responsibility. We're not doing what Constantine did. We're not marching pagans through the river and creating wet pagans. Wet pagans is no, true. No, these yes. are born again believers right. and Christ followers. And we're not but, baptizing sin either. You no. Know, people are still practicing. They, they know it. We, and you know, and some, some, sometimes, unfortunately, some people are not even taught. They're not even told. You know, that certain things... It's bad parenting. Know, you know, it's, it's bad parenting yeah. is what it is. And I wanted to just... We're going to close with a few things because I, I think we're in a good place to, to close. Yeah. And But, but I, w I just want to throw out something based on what you were saying about God's character. Revelation describes the world as drunk. It's fitting that, that that term is being used to describe the world. False teaching affects your behavior. Mm -hmm. So your view of who God is and how God functions and what is doctrinally true or false, that affects how you act. Yes. So in the medieval church period, they had torture chambers in the basement of the churches. So I've been to Europe. You know, I've been to Germany, Austria, France, England. I've been to you know, for Poland, Czech Republic. They have, they've all got these beautiful cathedrals, mm -hmm. Catholic cathedrals from the mid Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. And man, they're awesome. Like you walk inside of those things and you're just like, whoa. Now we know that they were overcompensating for a lack of the Holy Spirit, right? Like they had no internal power, so they just created these external edifices to fool themselves into thinking that they had an experience with God. Mm -hmm. But they had totally abandoned the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, and but, but then when you go below in the basements, they got like the most sick and gross torture instruments, man. Like when you walk in there, you just think, and they're like, they're, they're the real ones. Like they're the ones that they use. So like you're looking at something that like you know ripped a guy in pieces. Like and you're looking at it. Used it. It's under the church. Yeah. So if you if you don't submit yeah. to the teachings, the dogmas, the decrees of the church, mm -hmm. they take you downstairs 
and like rip your skin off and poke holes all over your body and torture you for weeks and set you on painful objects of torture. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's Satan. It's, it's so evil that it's hard to imagine. Now here's the, here's my thought. Here's my point. Mm -hmm. And that is that if you actually believe like heart, mind, and soul, like you actually believe that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth is going to subject people to eternal torture. Dude, you're doing them a favor exactly. if you torture them for a few months to save from, them from that. You're so you're going to be even dude, like God if you do this. <laughs> so torture in the Middle Ages yeah. was the outcome wow. of a false, false understanding of doctrine. There we go. And so Adventists are just so funny sometimes when they're like, well, doctrine doesn't matter. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, now, of course, a rigid understanding of ideas. Yeah, if you mean that, if you're saying that that doesn't save you and the person of Jesus does, mm -hmm. amen, we all say that. Mm -hmm. But to say doctrine doesn't matter, and then you look back on Christian history and you see, like, the torture of millions of people because of the false doctrine. So mm -hmm. false doctrine made, doc doctrine made them drunk. Mm -hmm. So they did these horrible things. Mm -hmm. the, the treatment of indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. Why do we suppose that cri white Christian believers from Western Europe felt that they were entitled to just dispossess people? Well, yeah. Uh, manifest yeah. destiny. Yeah. Calvinism. Yeah. God destines some to be damned mm -hmm. and some to be saved. And mm -hmm. when you show up in a foreign country and you have military advantage over people, who do you think they're going to be? And they're all pagans anyway. So they're going to they're going to be the ones who God destined to burn. And you're the ones. You I know say what I'm that saying? in quotes, by the way. Yeah. I'm saying that's no. what I believe. <laughs> no. So yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because yeah. it's on the same lines of what you're saying. Yeah. Hey everyone, thanks uh, for listening in and keep us in your prayers. Keep our church in your prayers. We want to be the best we can be for Jesus and for those he died for. And so please continue to have this conversation. Uh, you could disagree, you could agree, but uh, let's, let's keep talking and praying and seeking the truth on this matter so that that way uh, when we bring people into our church family, it'll actually mean something and they'll know that it means something. Anyways, um, God bless you all and have a fantastic uh, day. We'll talk soon. See ya.